with Dave and Peg. We are exploring uh, the healing power of psychedelics and how it can enhance people's uh, lived experience, how they help them connect with spirituality and connect with themselves. And I'm, we're really excited to explore with a guest today. Before we get to get to know this absolutely wonderful, beautiful human being that we're going to connect with today, uh, we are thinking of starting kind of a, a spin-off podcast, which is going to be really targeted uh, to, um, well, actually to evangelical uh, pastors and, uh, and leaders, you know, especially those who have kind of uh, maybe uh, drifted from, from the, the church or whatnot. And, and so it's something that you've got really big on your heart. I'd oh, love to man. just hear a little bit about that. And then we'll get going with Jody. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, one of the things that's been really, I mean, I'll, I'll give you kind of the story just yeah. about how it landed into my life over the last uh, six weeks. Uh, I, I was listening to a podcast on psychedelics today uh, with a guy named um, Hunt Priest is his name. Um, he is an Anglican minister in the States. And he was on talking about his experience with uh, the Johns Hopkins research they did with 25 spiritual leaders from around the U.S. They all had to be practicing uh, spiritual leaders, teachers. So in a church, uh, Imam, Muslim, uh, Catholic, Anglican, uh, Evangelical, uh, Jewish, like I think six or seven different, uh, different religious traditions. Johns Hopkins is looking for, they kind of wanted to recreate the Good Friday experiment. Right, from the 60s, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Bill Richards is who was at the original uh, in the 60s, this, this experiment they did with divinity students taking high dose psilocybin during a Good Friday service. Right. And they had these mystical experiences. So they wanted to say, hey, if you are, they asked three questions. Number one, in order to qualify for the study, you would have to have never done psychedelics. You have to be a practicing, uh, you know, leader in your community. And you have to be willing to kind of uh, engage in this. It was a three-month process. And like in your, in your church community. Yeah, you have to be in your church community right, or whatever yeah. religious community. Yeah. Right. So they gave them all uh, a five to six gram uh, dose. And, yeah. and then they tracked them. They had some prep and integration. Then they, uh, they tracked them. They asked three questions. One, did you have a mystical experience? Yes or no? And they kind of had cat criteria for that. Number two, was your mystical experience uh, in line with your own spiritual tradition or did it feel like you were experiencing the divine in a way that the symbols that you grew up with or are familiar with, it seemed to be outside of that. So that, they had an interesting questionnaire yeah, around yeah, that. Yeah. And then thirdly is, are you more or less uh, open now after this experience to engaging in multi-faith dialogue uh, as a as a practicing person in your community, right. and the results were, are amazing. And just now, Johns Hopkins is 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 uh, releasing the study, and which allows the participants to now talking to start talking about their experience. And this Hunt priest, I was listening to him. Okay, can I just uh, yeah. like, I mean, maybe this is for yeah. later, but the, yeah. the results were amazing. In what sense yeah. were they amazing? Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, amazing. And ninety four percent of the people had they all had mystical experiences. Uh, they all were almost all again, 85. That's what I'm saying. You know, 85% of them would consider them transformative. Um, and, uh, 
was really interesting is uh, only 30% of the people had spiritual experiences that seemed to fit their model of spirituality that they were familiar with. So, you know, a Christian met Jesus or, uh, you know, the Muslim met Muhammad or that kind of idea. Right. Um, But majority would encounter a divine experience outside of the parameters. That That was my, that was my experience. Yeah. Very much my experience. But it so didn't, under, is, didn't undermine uh, my Christianity at all. Yeah. But it sure broadened it. And, you know. Yeah. So that, <laughs> so that uh, I reached out to Hunt and he yeah, right. and said, man, I loved your interview. What happened to you in the way you just talked about that was I, almost identical to what happened to me. I'd right. love to talk to you. And then he just said, can I call you? And so him and I got into this conversation over Christmas when he just said, Peg, can you help me put together? I have, since the interviews, I'm having hundreds of pastors imams spiritual leaders that are wanting to explore psychedelics for their congregations they want to understand it they want to have their own experiences and they want to help and they see it as a tool a spiritual god-given tool to help people in their spiritual journey peg can you help me put together a canadian network of clergy i I love that oh i'm so into that yeah well and and you know and okay and with this i think we need to kind of segue to jody but just to say for both of us we both served as as pastors at one point in our life we're connected to so many men and women who have been kind of ministry types and um you and i both think i mean it's got to be freely done and open and whatnot but for those who who have maybe their faith has lapsed or maybe that's it they they've struggled with evangelicalism or whatever it might be we think not only this conversation would be so wonderful to to engage in but also the possibility of them having their own kind of psilocybin experience like you you're talking about that johns hopkins is so we want to start a podcast it's kind of be open-ended but let's see where it goes who we can interview okay i love the name baby i've got the name i know i know this is so great let's do it for next time okay so uh jody can you come this week we've got a special guest can you introduce our special guest dave I would love to. I want to make sure she's with us, though. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Hi, yeah, hi, Jody. Okay. Getting some water. Uh, yeah, I, I think either of us could be giddy about introducing uh, Jody to our podcast. But you know, for me, Jody and I've known each other uh, for over thirty years. Um, we worked on a, a church staff together for a number of years. And then when Jody became a therapist, I was, she so graciously invited me into a supervisory role uh, with her. And then over the last number of years, uh, Jody has just come alive in her uh, expressing her giftedness in the, in the arena of psychedelic spirituality, um, feminism, uh, the divine feminine, and uh, over the last year, Jody and I have led uh, a couple of cohorts uh, in training therapists how to use psilocybin in psych- psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. Um, I consider one of my absolute closest friends, someone I love so so dearly, and and, and you're going to just be amazed at the depth and breadth and wisdom that this woman has, and yet she's just a normal human, uh, mom wife altogether great friend to a lot of people so that's how's that for grandmother grandmother Grandmother. yes that's right and uh anyways uh jody welcome to unveiled and uh we're just we're just so excited to to be with you today thank you wow that was 
And not quite uh, the intro. Well, there's very few quite... people I could do that for. So. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you added that part on at the end. Because if Mark was sitting here, he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, and a human. Just yeah, having a human. very human life over here with all my foibles and and um Hmm. So, yes, so let's start maybe uh, if you're if you're cool to start here talk to us about how you kind of got into the what attracted you to the psychedelics how that started to fold into your life and maybe there's a big backstory so however you want to kind of talk talk to us about that yeah okay um yes well thank you for asking it, it is I I don't talk about it a lot actually um but it's it yeah feels good to kind of look back and how did this all start and so I would say you know like all things they start usually years before you know anything is is going on and in my case I would say you know after a big transition for our family of moving and and trying to reintegrate into a community that was very difficult for me because I left behind you know my my felt like my family in all my friends um, and also at that time going through some very difficult and painful experiences within our church community which I know many many people have gone through that uh, and for me personally it felt traumatic because church community has always been like family for me so this kind of catapulted me all these experiences also, you know, raising for wonderful children, but also human having their own, you know, um, journeys of adolescence and all those things. Uh, I, you I, know, let me just say, Jody, if I, if there could be like a scale of one to 10 of someone who is like immersed in the, in the community of, of church and, and in the spirituality of church and, I would put you quite high up on that scale. I yeah. You, know, that you were, you were like very devoted to people. You're very yeah. devoted to your faith and it was really beautiful. It was very little negative or anything about it, but it sure sounds like when that started to dismantle and fall apart, I can imagine that would have been a traumatic yeah. thing for you. Thank you for saying that. And I think the way that I was beginning to the way I wanted to expand in my spiritual life, it just, I wasn't able to do that in the container I was in. And it took me quite a long time to come to terms with that and what that would actually mean, which would be to leave all of that. And so this, all of those things, I would say catapulted me into probably a decade of, of what felt very dark and very lonely and very despairing and, um, yeah, lot, lots of feelings that I realized I, you know, as a human, I needed to experience, but not really knowing how I was going to get out of it. Uh, but always praying, always, you know, I would, I call it my ache, this ache in my heart. And, I, and in those 10 years, it was, it was so wanting to, to have a mother. That's what kept coming to me. Like, I just, I mean, I have a mother, bless her heart. She lives in, you know, on the other side of the country and she's, she's wonderful, but like to have a divine mother, you know, to feel the sense of God as female. And I just couldn't get there. I couldn't experience it. And, and then I felt like I shouldn't even be asking for that. And just a lot of things like that. I mean, Peg and I've talked a lot about the kind of, this is one of the real deficits or limitations of, of our experience of Christianity is our 
experience with God was so masculine, right? Mm -hmm. and, and almost completely devoid of any feminine. And the most you would ever get is perhaps connecting to a loving heart of Jesus or something like that, but still vetted through a male, through a man. And, and you're saying, you know, you started to recognize that part of this ache was had to do with that. Did you even have any like sense of what that could be within, uh, within your spirituality? Well, there's lots of, you know, things you can find online of, you know, where people are talking about the goddess and, you know, or, you know, Isis or Mary Magdalene, the, you know, names that I was familiar with, but none that I could really connect with. It okay. just didn't feel like, you know, that I was so steeped in the teachings that I had received. And I do, you know, I love Jesus. That has never changed. And I, I, you know, I just at the time didn't know if I had any permission to kind of go wider than that. And so, mm. so all of this wow. kind of culminating into, you know, a, a challenging place. Our, our kids had all left home. Uh, which, you know, is its own process of grief and celebration for, you know, having young adults in your life. But it did leave Mark and I, my, my life partner, in a very empty nest. And also now here's all the things you didn't work on because you were busy raising your kids and becoming a therapist and all the things I was doing. So, yeah, we both, you know, were feeling kind of like, what what do we do you know what what is this and and which from my own you know background of of being adopted and having some very early trauma this is all very triggering the idea that I might not stay married and so I'm I'm trying to set the scene here that the way I came to this was more in desperation and because I honestly I don't know if I would have if I didn't feel so desperate mm. and um and so that that's what led me. Uh, and I, I, you know, you know, the story uh, from the other side in terms of that same summer, Mark was reading, you know, I have his permission to tell this, he was reading the Michael Pollan book, and right, he right. had decided like he was going to have this experience. So I'm like, well, let me see that book. And I didn't even know this was happening in my own field. So I was very interested, you know, as a therapist, but also kind of secretly like, hmm, you know, this might help me. Meanwhile, and this is my one, I, I don't tell this story too much, but in fairness, you know, meanwhile, a friend of mine said, hey, this beautiful indigenous woman is coming to my farm next week and she's going to do a cambo ceremony. Would you like to come? A what? A cambo ceremony. And cambo is a frog from the Amazon. So this is a type of psychedelic, but that is from a frog. And again, you know, I couldn't, if you had told me this 10 years ago, you know, you were going to go and do this thing, but I'm like, you know, I'm going to go like, this is, I'm, I'm opening to something here that, I, you know, I understand is ancient and many other cultures do this. And so it's just that, so funny to me, you know, Jody, that, you know, most people, they kind of, their interest in the psychedelics is microdosing, you know, a little <laughs> bit of psilocybin, no way you find some indigenous healing woman on a yeah. farm and you're going to lick a toad or something. That's yeah. just hilarious to me. Well, it, it was, I, I think that's sort of how I do things anyway. It was like a here you know here we go and it was pr a pretty big experience of just like the door flew open and what I would say like what does that actually look like you know in your life I came home that night and I looked in the mirror at my own two eyes 
And I recognized, oh, I have created all of this, you know, all this despair, all this, you know, whatever is unfolding in your marriage, like you, I can't even tell you how much I've spoken out of my mouth of like how bad things were that, you know, complaining or what, whatever I'd been doing, I realized and not, I mean, also positive, all sorts of things coming out of my mouth. But I realized in that moment, like, I'm creating all of this. And then I blame God if I don't like it, or I think I'm being, you know, somehow maybe God's not happy with me if I don't like things. Like I, I just realized I'm not a victim of anything here. Wow. So you're a real you moment know? with yourself. You kind of it look yourself in the mirror. It's such an interesting, yes. you know, Jody, as, I, as I'm listening to you kind of articulate this journey, one of the things that hits me is you're having an ability to kind of begin to get meaning out of these experiences already. But can you take our listeners into what it felt like physiologically? What happened? Did you drink something? What, how did it come on? What were some of the visions? And I, cause part of what we're trying to do with unveiled is we're trying to d- dive down into people's personal experiences with these substances so that you can kind of demystify them a little bit. So you're like, this is what happened to me. Here's the, mm-hmm. here's what happened. And then here's kind of the learning I got from it. So I'd love to okay. hear both your Campbell and then your psilocybin journeys. About yes. What was it like for you? Okay. Well, this is, this is good. You know, again, I, I certainly wouldn't be the expert in Cambo. I've had one, actually I had two experiences with it, but you know, what happened for me, Cambo, like other medicines, maybe peyote and ayahuasca, these medicines that are, we would think of them more indigenous, I mean, mushrooms as well, but, um, these medicines that are still held by indigenous people and then done within that ceremony often seem to involve a lot of purging and, you know, like vomiting, diarrhea. And so another thing that um, I've been, I had been working with really from my very early adulthood is an eating disorder, quite a significant one, actually. Like once I became a therapist and look kind of realized oh, that's, that was really significant. And I, I just, you know, wasn't something I knew how to get help for again in this sort of community I was in. So I just, I lived with it and I actually, you know, it's a part of me that I, I integrated and love now and see how, you know, that was how I coped. But in terms of this purging, and I know a lot of people will say, well, I don't want to go. I don't want to do ayahuasca because I don't want to throw up. And I don't blame you, but for me, I learned that night what purging actually is, what purifying, like what it actually means to just expel these things out of your body in terms of like all this energy, we might call it inside, like things that feelings that haven't been digested, you know, um, uh, things that have been done to us that live in our bodies. And I see how eating disorders often you're kind of reenacting that, right? Trying to purge things, trying to starve yourself from something that doesn't feel safe. And I, and that night for me, it was like, oh, this is what I was trying to do. But now, and as unpleasant as it felt, once you purged, you're empty. And when you're empty, well, you know, then you're a vessel that, that can be filled with whatever your intention was. And my intention was to meet the divine, to, to meet the Sophia of God, the, that feminine 
ache, that feminine God that I had been aching for. And did you meet her? Yes, I met her that night in the, you know, in the stars, you know, going outside. And it was one of those nights where it was just like black sky and twinkling stars. And I was out in a a nature setting. I could hear the owls. And so I met her in that sense of like, oh, she's everywhere. (laughs) Like she, you know, this is a, what are we living on here? You know, this is a, this is a female consciousness because it's always giving birth to everything. There's all this life, but also all this death, you know, which is, I can get into that more later. I mean, that is also part of the feminine that I think we're so afraid of, right? There's a, there's the death part and the dark part, but in terms of the sensations of Cambo, it's a bit of a shocking medicine is what I would say. And I, I, I'm not recommending this necessarily. I mean, you, you would have to feel I've called. never even heard of it. And I'm like, <laughs> I've done you can look it up. any medicine I can get my hands on. I'm doing it. You got five ME, I'm over there tomorrow. Like, any okay, well, medicine I, you got, you I've might, never you heard know, of Cambo. So that was- It's a bit of an initiation. Place. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, you know, that experience, I think, opened me up to then when I found out that Dave was facilitating these journeys, you know, it was like, okay, I, I, that, that kind of opened the door, but now I really need to be held in this space. You know, like I, I need to learn about myself in these altered states and, you know, doing that in a safe set and setting was all that. That's what Dave and his, the one, the person he was working with, you know, that's what they were offering. And so that then, you know, became a, 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 an experience where I could just be held in that, that space for okay, an so extended. So with the Cambo, it was, <clears throat> again, you were outside, you were with other people also taking the Cambo. And, yes, and purging and, and purging. yeah, it's a yeah. different experience. Very, very, you know, you know how I think of this. Um, I think of it's um, uh, it's a different ritual, right? Yes. And and these medicines, almost like they listen to the ritual. They learn from the ritual. Like it's almost like the medicine is saying, "How do you want me to be expressed tonight or or in this space?" And and when it's uh, when it's like you say two guides sitting with you, you've established intentions. So you've got this kind of direction that you wanna move in. There's a playlist, we're putting eye shades on, you're laying down, there's a blanket over top of you. That's a very different ritual than what you had in the, on the exactly. farm. Exactly. On the farm was more like, here we go, I need help. And I hope this is safe to do kind of thing. Like yeah, it was yeah. more, you know, and maybe slightly like, well, if Mark's going to do this, I'm going to do it first. And maybe there's a little bit of that in there. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, then going, you know, a few months later to have a psilocybin journey. Yes. Put, I learned about, oh, when you actually put intention into it, you know, m- much, much more can come and, and yeah, to be held. What, what were your intentions, Jody? Can you remember? Oh, well, I, yeah, I know there was these, you know, if you had five questions, you could ask God or the mushroom, what are they? And, um, and so I, you know, interestingly, I had four, I couldn't come up with five. And it's Mm. funny now that I can hardly remember the four, but I remember the fifth one that I tacked on on the end because I was trying to be good, you know, because you asked for five. And the last, you know, so it was things like, you know, asking again to, you know, to experience God as mother. I was, I, I knew that I had what was fairly obvious, my 
trauma that I had as a little one, but I also had really suspected there was sexual trauma as well, but I, it was pre-verbal. And so it's something I've worked through in, in different somatic therapies, but I, I was just open, you know, is there anything I need to know more about this? Like what I like to think of, I'm a river or I've got this river inside of me and it wants to flow, but it gets blocked. So mm. kind of like, you know, what are the blocks? But that fifth question. Yeah, what was it? Well, I've had so many clients over the years come in and say, you know, do you believe in reincarnation? And because I think this might be a past life. And I've always just been really like, well, it doesn't matter what I believe, you know, tell me about that. Um, but inside, I was very curious, like, well, yeah. what is what is past lives? I've heard before it actually was in the Bible, then it got taken out of the Bible. I don't know. Again, it hasn't been part of my background, but I was just curious. Like, my, So my question to God was, is reincarnation a real thing? And why does it matter? Like, who? why should I care about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. You know, because isn't there enough in one life? And so, um, yeah, so those are my questions. And I, I am... Um, went into that beautiful space right away. I had this sense of myself as this really little girl that was so happy and joyful that I was here. Like, finally, you know, you're going to listen to me today. I'm in charge, this little child. And it, and it literally was her. I remember in this vibrant green velvety dress and she took my hand and it was like, here we go. Was well, she so, was she was gonna guide you. She you was my guide, and I was <coughs> wow, so nervous. And she so kept cool. saying, "Like you are so silly. Like why would you be nervous of this? This is you're gonna find out what's inside you, and it's a little. It's so good. It's love. It's like you know. It was just she was so excited, and I again, you know, I mean, there's a healthy kind of nervousness I think we feel when we ingest uh -huh. these substances. Sure, sure. So so meeting this part of myself who was chat chastising me quite a bit actually but it was fun and loving and basically the message was you have been very silly in your life with all of these beliefs and feeling guilty about everything and you know so many things you're you're so silly and then she would say but you are not silly enough you have lost your silliness wow. and it was this sort of you know play on and i knew she was right like yeah i know like well, who, you know, uh, where is this funny, fun, playful, joyful playful. part of myself, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. she's gotten all bogged down with this, these fears and, mm. and then, you know, being a therapist, like, oh, so much pain out there. Caring like, so much I, heaviness. Yeah. Caring. Yeah. Oh, a lot yeah. of my journey was about that, like yeah. processing some of that heaviness you know, being shown like in a visceral way, how I'm always closing my eyes to all the pain in the world. Like, it's like too much. I can't, you know, and it was like this little guide was showing me how to keep my eyes open, wow. you know, that I'm way stronger than I've ever given myself credit for, but I needed to heal. There were still some places. And Dave, I think you've always had the wisdom that you've known that. You know, I think you said that once to me, like you were, you were always happy, but then you were sad behind the happy and you could, mm -hmm. you didn't have the joy mm -hmm. that, that, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not even sure I've ever had it in this lifetime. That's kind of how it felt mm -hmm. like I, you know, just being, having this, being a really little baby that, that was separated from her mother upon birth. I, yeah. I think, 
I never really, I hadn't really met that part of myself until I took that cup of mushrooms. Right. And yet the other side <laughs> of it is, I mean, you talk about, um, you know, abuse in your background and just your own trauma um, that just remains kind of this un, unseen part of who I am. And yet it's energy is such a such an influential part of our lives and and starting to come to grips with that sounds like part of it is um i want that playfulness back i want that lightness back and and i have seen that in you for sure but i mean what's come along with it jody is um just a, a i don't know an opening a, an emergence of this wisdom mm-hmm. of understanding of life and and femininity within life and uh and so i, I kind of like that you're that, that that got played with in that like you're silly but you're not silly enough i i really like that that's really really interesting julie what, what would you say is one of the biggest shifts i'm going to say the world worldview right and what's one of the biggest yeah. shifts of encountering these substances how has it shifted your understanding of of the world that meaning how you understand the divine how you understand your role your place how did these substances shift that dramatically for you? Well, I'm going to say in two ways. And, and so the first one, you know, to my intention of so wanting to meet this, this feminine, the, the Sophia part of the divine, you know, starting to have a lot of dreams of snakes, interestingly, and learning about how that is such an ancient symbol of Sophia in this divine feminine and realizing how in the myth of, you know, Adam and Eve, that that whole idea of the snake being evil and bad, and Eve, you know, it being her fault, uh, you know, because she ate the apple, I hadn't realized, I think, until then, how that had prevented me from seeing from allowing this this more feminine mother part of god because when that happens we as a woman i start to see the divine in myself and and that that heavy to me it felt like that heavy teaching around eve the mother of life i hadn't realized how embedded that was in my psyche that this inherent shame i carried as being female you know of Mm. having you know, certain body parts and being the more vulnerable one. And, you know, that I, it was like, I was blocking myself from seeing this, this feminine part of God, because now that I see her, I, I have a glimpse of myself as divine. And I could never see that in Jesus, love him. And in a way that kind of kept me safe. Right. I, I don't know if that, I hope that makes sense. Well, I think one of the things that you're, and and it's a really common theme, and I think it's really important for us to kind of highlight even right now is one of the, one of the, one of the things that seems to happen uh, on these journeys for many, many people is this kind of a deconstruction of patriarchy. Like it's like the, the patriarchy, this male dominated, uh, kind of, yeah, aggressive, uh, diminishing worldview has been in dominance for thousands of years. Um, and, you know, at, as, as soon as you have these kind of, at least the three main religions, right, Christianity, Islam, and, and uh, Judaism, with this sky god that's male up in the air, right? So that has, it, it, it feels like when people encounter these and have these mystical experiences, one of the first things that seems to happen is this 
a non a non patriarchal understanding of the universe seems to emerge mm. really really quickly in people's experiences it's almost like that's almost the first corrective that seems to happen in our psyches and it, it happened for me it happened for you um jody and I, I just would love to dive into that a little bit more because yeah. i think that's a really a really important corrective that our planet is experiencing right now uh Yes. And it's not like this is unknown. You know, I, I, I think, and I'll speak as a woman, like women, we know this. And there's a lot of talk about coming out from under the patriarchy. And that's all the waves of feminism, right, have been addressing this. I think, and, you know, just on a personal level, what I was shown was how that patriarchy is inside of me. Like, it's like it's in, it was in my DNA. That, that I, you know, what is an eating disorder? You're turning on your own body, right? It's a, it's a rejection of the very thing that is mothering, which is food, you know, which is nourish, nourishment and nurture. So I think for myself and, you know, the women I work with, because I primarily work with women, it's actually kind of meeting this in ourselves. And, and this is where the, it has to, you know, if we can encounter that, that sense of, you know, um, the, 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 the Sophia, the, this feminine aspect of God. And, you know, there are many ways to do that. We have, she has many faces, Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene, Mother Isis, Anana. There's so many, uh, you know, different archetypes we can look to, to find a way to experience her that maybe would make sense for us. But that the idea to me is when we meet her, we first have to meet all those patriarchal structures that are within us. Mm. And, and, and then this way, we are no longer victims to what is outside of us. Because I think that's a temptation, right? To make ourselves these victims to patriarchy. And then everything is, you know, if we can just abolish patriarchy, then the world will be a better place. Which Could is you, true. I, I don't think I fully understand what you mean by meeting uh, the patriarchy inside yourself. Like, what what is that? Yeah. Practically, what are you talking about? Well, I think that any place where I have ever diminished myself as uh, well, this can be as just as a human, but let's go with as a female. You know, I mean. A classic one for women is, you know, hating our periods, thinking like, oh, it's a curse, you know, it's this, mm. oh, it's my hormones that are making me so emotional. And, you know, somehow this is a deficit, thinking that my body needs to look a certain way that, you know, um, being really critical okay. when I like that sort of thing, right? These are inherently... Like you're saying, cooperating with these kind of, <clears throat> at least in in our yeah. in our experience of things like kind of like very rigid views of what, what a woman's body is supposed to look like and what a, what a, how a woman is supposed to be in relationship or be in leadership or be in the world, any of those sorts of domains. Well, and, and this to my, another thing that came up in my mushroom journey that's connected to this, let's call it the mother guilt. And I know that any mother listening to this will understand this deep, you know, in seated guilt around things when things go wrong or what we perceive things going wrong in our children's life, it's always comes back to the mother, right? It's this expectation even that's put on mother as the nurturer, as the, you know, the, 
the life giver, that somehow, it, it, at least this is how I'd internalized anything going wrong with my children. It must be something inherently wrong with me. Like you failed, you let them down. I or, failed. Yeah, and yeah, this yeah. is all connected to me in my mind that, you know, and Eve failed, right? She ate the apple, like women just have this inherent flaw yeah. and, th- and, and archetypally, it's always you know, in the myths, but I think in our collective somehow gets blamed on women. Another example might be, I just heard this the other day, you know, a dear woman who's experienced a lot of sexual trauma and, you know, but she used to, she told me, but I did dress, you know, really slutty. So what was I expecting? That's an example of it, right? right, Like, oh, I did something wrong (laughs) because I'm responsible for all, you know, other people's you know Engaged feelings yeah right so um that, and you that's... know jody even in our own field i mean mm-hmm. attachment is such a dominant kind of therapeutic theme that we're all recognizing that the, and by attachment i mean this early you know before three years of age two years of age relationship between mother and child right that the quality of that relationship being so hugely important to the rest of my life and in our you know in our own field <clears throat> I felt, man, that's that's tacitly very mother blaming, right? It's putting so much in the mom. And the question is, well, where is the dad protecting the mom? Yeah. Making sure that she doesn't have to deal with the issues that take her away from uh, a healthy, healthy attachment to her child. I think it, like, it's so easy, like you say, to just even in almost neutral language to say, oh, when attachment doesn't go well, that's, you know, that's, that's not a failure of the mother, but, you know, it's, it's within that domain. And it's so easy for us to just leave that guilt and that responsibility at the lap of moms. And, the, and you say, and uh, very powerful to hear you say, every mom listening to this is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just, it's just this, this blame, this curse, this shame, this responsibility that's just naturally on your end of things. And you're saying to face it inside is we've accepted this. We've just, we've just said, yep, that's just the way it is. And you're saying you had to stand up kind of against that inside yourself. That's really powerful. Jordan. Yes. And, you know, it was pretty clear that day, there will be no more repenting. Like, I wow. think I might've like, I am all finished repenting. Now I have spent the majority of my life repenting, repenting, repenting. And, and I actually did, this is when I experienced Jesus on my trip. It was like, no, no more you're all done with that. Like you don't, you don't have to be sorry for everything. I I can't say the hundreds of, of women I have known closely in my life in in therapy, whatnot, when regardless of what the situation is, the first words that naturally come out of their mouth is I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, and, and, you know, as a fun little experiment, just flag that for yourself. If you're a female listening to this, you know, how often you say, I'm sorry, uh, during the week it's it, it we and we just expect it you yeah, know it's almost like before we talk about anything let me just I know it's my fault I know I've done something wrong I know I've let someone down or failed someone so let's just get that out there yeah I'm sorry That's it's so, uh, it's, yeah. it's also this idea of I don't want to take up too much space because mm-hmm. space is for men space is wow. whether it's your hand up in a class uh, whether it's you know who who's going to lead who's it it's the the our culture it's so dominated by kind of the masculine way of being. So it's, it values doing over being. It values accomplishment over kind of this inner kind of work. 
Uh, we look at finances. It's a very masculine kind of notion. Capitalism is masculine. Uh, yes, it can get shit done, but at what cost, right? And so mm -hmm. I think this, the kind of stuff that you're journeying into, Jody, is, uh, is, is so profound and, and powerful to, at, a, at a large cultural, what we need in our culture to shift. I guess my question, mm -hmm. though, is tell, tell me about, like, why, why altered state work? Why, why these medicines? Like, can't we just get there by reading some more books and hey, <laughs> more podcasts to listen to and, you know, and then you'll get it. Like, what is it about this type of work that bypasses the, the kind of the default mode network or our brain up here and really gets you to experience something in an embodied feeling? Can you walk us through that, Jody? Because that's an important thing for our listeners to understand. Okay, well, maybe if I could answer the last question, I wanted to say the second thing, but I, I think it's going to tie into this question you're asking me, why an altered state? Because the second you sort of, you know, ask like overall, you know, what are the big, what did you receive, you know, overall? And so, yes, this, this open door to be this permission to experience this, this feminine part of God, God as mother, and that fifth question, you know, around reincarnation and why does it matter, which is the important part of that question. Like, how does this, what does this mean to me? And so what I experienced on that mushroom journey is, you know, kind of a, I guess you could say I was able to, uh, take a huge step outside of this world of, you know, it felt like I was in the cosmos. I'm not sure. And, but from that space, I was able to recognize myself, you know, my life partner, my children, you know, like so many people around me as these eternal beings. I knew this conceptually, but like, oh, wait, we really are like, we, and we've been here before. And this was such a new thought for me, such a new experience that this, that this earth experience, you know, isn't just one lifetime. And, and I know I'm not going to get all into that, but I mean, I don't think that could have happened without ingesting a, a, an entheogen, like to actually have this experience of myself is eternal and the people in my life is eternal and what the purpose of even like what are we doing here right now y you know um in this marriage making this family what is this you know and i started to see how this some of the abuse i'd experienced some of the trauma i'd experienced and like and i just need to say here this is just for me this i will not i'm not imposing this on anyone but it was this knowing almost like I had agreed to it some in some other space and time. I had said, yes, I will come in as a female. I will take on this, you know, forgetting who I am. I'll take on all the, you know, whatever the density, the patriarchy, the I'll, I'll experience this trauma. And because I want to be part of healing it, I want to be part of whatever the change that's happening, but I've got to go in. I mean, I'm, as I'm speaking, I'm like, this is kind of what Jesus did. Like, I think this is what he was showing us, right. Becoming a human and taking it on so that it could be somehow transmuted. And what I learned, you know, is what an incredibly healing transmuting body I'm in that I actually can, you know, um, heal from these things and why this is so the, to my, to my fifth question and why does it matter? 
Because what I realized is if this is true, this very mind blowing concept, then I'm not a victim of anything. And I'm actually not a survivor of anything. I'm actually an experiencer of a life. And that includes trauma, you know, all the things that we, being a woman, feeling all the mother guilt, you know, having struggles in my marriage, you know, whatever it is, these are all experiences that I'm not a victim to. I'm, I'm actually somehow creating so that I can, so that I can have an earth experience. And because I, I don't know, I'm very oriented towards healing, you know, and, and, and be part of the healing. So that's probably changed my life more than anything. And it was really an appendage, like a PS. Okay, I need five things. So I'll ask this question, but it, it really has completely reoriented the way I, I look at my life. Yeah. And I think, you know, Jody, I, I love the way you kind of, you've honed in on that, that concept of kind of, I'm not a victim. I had agency in what my, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. my life is going to be regardless of whether if, if others, you know, connect with that idea or not, I think what, it, what you're demonstrating is this, <clears throat> these experiences that we can have when they're curated and held in, in a nice container with right people with right intentions, they can give you an experience that you personally need, almost like customized for you, for you to feel what you need in order to heal. Like we talk about, um, your own inner healing intelligence, right? We read the part of the, this altered state work from indigenous folks to what they're doing at Johns Hopkins is what we're saying is that we actually need to get our ego and the therapist out of the way so that you can heal yourself because your own inner healing intelligence knows exactly what Jody Cron needs right now in order to become the best version of you. And that's a radical concept, you know, that's like, we don't need more, you know, yes, we need, we need great therapists and all these other, and writers and all that. But this is a real transformative kind of model to say, let's get people to have these kind of experiences in the right set and setting and allow them to integrate them in community. Because when you do it, your own inner healing intelligence is going to come yeah. and step forward yeah. and give you what you need. And that's what happened to you. And it, yes, that was a great summary. And I would just sort of insert, you know, and I appreciate what you're saying. And yet it isn't even about being the best. For me, it's like being the most expansive, like, mm. because I've been on that train most of my life, like trying self-improvement, you know, trying to be better, yeah. you know, and, and yet now it's just like, how wide can I blossom in this lifetime? Like how wide do these petals actually reach? Like that, that's more for me, what it feels like. It's just this, can I show up in this lifetime as fully and authentically as myself? Yeah. Jody, and, I, wow. go ahead. Yeah. A couple, no, of the, just, a couple of the metaphors that I really tie into there. One would be waking up. I feel, mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like I'm waking up to something that I've known for a long, long time. And the other uh, metaphor that I like is, is I'm finding my balance. Mm. I'm starting to find my balance. I don't know if that connects to what you said, but that those, <clears throat> those, <clears throat> especially the idea of waking up really has got this connotation of I've been here before. You kind of said that, right? I, I, I know this. 
I know this somehow. I know what to do here. I know what this is about. And it's it's starting to kind of come come to me, right? Well, I appreciate you bringing the balance in because I think it's it's important in these kinds of discussions to talk about how like, yes, these experiences can, you know, completely turn our world upside down and that we start to remember things and we, we have a perspective we've never had before. And it's very easy to go out of balance in these experiences. So, you know, I think um, what I wanted to share just in the progression of, you know, the story that after that psilocybin journey, and it was, I did have a visceral, you know, um, memory of of some early sexual abuse, which I kind of knew was there, but it was like, okay, I asked to see this and now I've seen it. And so then I had a, a, a couple of months later, an MDMA journey to, and then the specific intention for that journey was, okay, let's heal this trauma, which is when I learned about my own body and what an incredible healer it is once, you know, we can just acknowledge, or once actually we listen to our body to be shown, okay, this is what's in here. And in that journey, like not only did I learn that I'm a self healer, that we all are, we, we, we can heal these traumas, but it was so much about that balance. And so how this body needs to stay very connected to this earth. And, and, you know, as like, I love how psilocybin interestingly, which has grown be, you know, in the earth, but seems to take us to these expansive places maybe why that metaphor of the flower works for me is because it has to have its roots deep in the ground. And, and so I think another answer to what have I gained for those of us, which is probably lots of your listeners who are spiritually minded, right? We, we often have this, like, you know, we're sort of seeking up and out and maybe even look to psychedelics for that. But I, I have also learned from these, entheogens that we are here in a body on this earth and so it's always about you know coming back here into this body and finding Mm -hmm. that balance wow you know how do i walk now in both of these worlds you know it's fun to talk about all these things but you know how how does this actually play out in this physical body and it's a yes balance harmony is one of my (laughs) You know, Joe, well, you're so you're so grounded. That, no, go ahead, Big. You mentioned in one of your comments, uh, you kind of the recognition of your of your divineness that you are divine, right? I mean, that's a that's a it could be a little bit of an abrasive concept for many Christians. Like, no, 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 Jesus mm-hmm. is the only Son of God. Like, yeah. you are just a human, and mm-hmm. uh, you you know, and it's this the this this dualism, right? And so it's, you know, God's out there. And then there's over here, there's this and this. And so this, this duality, which is really challenged in the altered state world. um, Again, one of the major themes that comes up, no matter what religion, that's part of this Johns Hopkins study, no matter what religion or faith, there's this sense that all is connected, that all Mm -hmm. is one, that, you know, uh, that this idea of uh, any concept of divine we might have is actually just part of you know, it's, it's an extension of us, right? So that we, we all collectively are faces of God, right? We are, we, we, you know, I think the, the Hindus talk about, there's a million masks of God, right? That we all show up and we take, you know, take our, it's like, oh, it's, 
you're divine too yeah me too we're all you know and there's this kind of open uh, openness to our own divinity but it's it's these ideas these beliefs these blockages that prevent us from recognizing that can you talk a little bit about this this idea of you connecting to your divine nature that's a really big concept um yes and i know i i remember you know many years ago being more in a in a christian paradigm and people saying you know i am god or i am divine like how off-putting that felt and mm -hmm. how grandiose it sounded you know like what are you talking about and and so you know perhaps like and of course, we don't have to take psychedelics to reach these states, but I, but I think, you know, meditation or mind, you know, conscious movement is what I call it, like getting ourselves into these places where we can connect with our hearts, you know, it is an, it's something you have to experience more than a concept, you know, to actually feel yourself as a piece of the divine, as some something, you know, divinity emanating out of a, a, a flesh, a body of flesh. Um, that's, I don't know, that might not be answering your question. Well, yeah, I, no, it is. And I think that you're rightly, like what we're talking about here is the realm of experience. And that's such a hard mm -hmm. thing because most of the stuff that we encounter in religion is, is knowledge, right? It's like, Here's something to believe. Here's a creed to sign. Here's, you know, here's, here's practices to avoid. And it's a very a cognitive, very masculine, very, but you are saying, I'm talking about a felt experience. I'm talking about something that I'm feeling kind of that you, that when you, when you have an experience, I mean, I'm going to use this example of like, you can talk all you want about sex and you can say, yeah, sex is like this. And I remember the 40 year old virgin, you know, line of like, bags of sand he's talking you know steve carell is talking about oh, women and they're in their breasts they're it's like bags of sand and they're the guys are looking at him like what the hell are you talking about you have you've never clearly been with a woman right it's an ex so this idea of moving beyond kind of our cognitive notions of god and saying okay can you just put aside all your theology do you actually want to meet the divine and have an experience with that right. with that divine right. yeah i'd like that yeah I, we can do that right now It'll take you about four hours. You'll meet the divine and we can talk about it after. So put away all your textbooks and just let's just get busy and do it right now. So you're inviting people into a lived experience of the divine, which is very different, Jody. Right. And very paradoxical. Like, I think maybe that's the part why we have to, to embody it, to, to feel it, to have an experience of it, to know that you know, the divine, it, you know, is the sky and the earth, you know, it's it, it, like, it's, it's birth and it's death. It's right. It's these paradoxes of, um, yeah. Can I, I, I'd like yeah. to kind Jump of follow in. up with just a little bit, because I, um, <clears throat> I've been privileged to work with you many times with people and also to consult with you. I'm getting, you know, the longer we're in this space together, um, some days I just feel like I'm so the apprentice and you're, you know, you're teaching me so much. And part of that is I, you talk about yourself as a healer. I think you really are. I think you are a healing one. And I, you know, I can, I can be part of that process. I think of more of myself as a teacher. 
when you were on your that MDMA trip, you referenced you 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 privileged me with sitting with you, and I I likened it to getting a graduate course in how the body moves energy and what to do with this, which is in our field, right? We've been, as Peg said, we've been so cognitively focused, thoughts, how we think, how we are in charge of our thought process and whatnot. Over the last 15 years, there's been a, a real renaissance in therapy towards body to understanding somatic experiencing. And um, so if you could, Tell me how you think about how a person heals from trauma these days. What, what, what has to be included in that process? If you're the healer and I'm you know, coming to you with childhood trauma or some sort of trauma, what, how do you, how goes through your mind in terms of how you think about that now? Okay, well, first it, I need to just clarify. I don't, I actually don't see myself as a healer. I think I, I mean, I'm a healer of myself. And, and I contain a healing intelligence and I observe and facilitate healing for others. Okay. And there is a slight difference there okay. because I see others have that innate healing intelligence. So I guess that that could be the beginning of an answer here. You know, it begins by seeing the healing intelligence in the person coming to me. Right. They can't see it yet for themselves because there's lots of like boulders in that river inside of them. And so um, I, I, you know, there are many, there, there's many modalities, but I've seen how psychedelics certainly is quite an ally in helping to lift some of those boulders, move them, dissolve them, you know, so when a person can connect with their deepest self, and that may, you know, for some that feels like they're connecting with God, it, it doesn't really matter. It, we have different I mean, they're just words we, we use here, but this innate, to me, it just, it feels like just love, right? This life force, this healing intelligence. When you can get a person there, they will show you the way that, you mm. know, they, and, and maybe not with words, maybe their bodies, you know, will start shaking or, you know, needing to move or needing pressure on a hip or on an arm or like, like to, so so much of it's like get out of the way and and make space which is what you did for me that day you know you didn't try to impose your ideas of healing you let me kind of lead myself through a healing process to yeah. to let go of trauma i'd been holding on to probably since i was 2 years old wow. and so what i learned is oh i think everybody can do this it might doesn't look the way you know I do it, but it's it's turning, it's seeing that person as their own healer. I, I think yeah. that to me feels like the key. And, and in your you, experience, psychedelics, you call it an ally. I mean, it like it my guess is that you are learning different medicines and how to use these different medicines in different contexts to to be your ally in the process you just described. Yes. And I say ally because I, I think there might be a danger in saying, oh, well, this, you know, the, the, the psychedelics going to heal me. That, right. That's just another, you know, the therapist is going to heal me or God is going to heal me or something, you know, outside of myself. You know, I, I'm not enough. So I have to yeah. reach out here to get something. So right. to me, the way I see psychedelics is they help us to see 
what is inside of us, which is God, you know, which is everything we would ever need uh, to help and to heal ourselves. You know, as a therapist, I also see just the um, brilliance of, you know, moving a person outside of this sort of come and see me once a week for an hour and sit in this chair and we're going to go somewhere really deep and but then you have to go and maybe you have to go get groceries and go home and cook dinner you know and and so this person keeps coming week after week or year after year and i mean we any of us in this field have many clients dear clients like this with such you know working so hard to feel better and i see the brilliance and you know, what if you could come and spend a day with me and you could be so supported, you know, and comfortable and there's no groceries to buy or children to take care of, you know, that, and, and there's midwives, midwife men in the room, whoever the guides are that can support you. Like to me, if you just give someone that time and that space, usually, you know, I think of it like miracles can happen. Yeah. And I think that's uh Jody, uh, that word, I, <laughs> I've been so reticent to use that kind of language in my life, right? To miracle. I, I didn't believe in miracles to be <laughs> as a pastor, right? I mean, I, I they only happen in, in the Bible. I didn't, I mean, I'll, let's be really honest. I didn't even believe in God when I was a pastor because it, I didn't believe there was some kind of deity pulling levers. That's going to make my car start, but obviously couldn't fix the famine in Africa. Right. I mean, it's, so I don't believe in that. You know? I love that little story. You know, so that's, that's, I know that's bullshit. So, but when you say the word miracle, I would say, Jody, over the last three years, I have never seen so many miracles. Like it's, it's absolutely stunning. It's, it's more amazing than seeing someone's arm grow, which is like, oh, that guy grew his, you know, at some kind of Benny Hinn conference. And some guy said, oh, his arm grew right in front of me. I'm like, I guess that would be interesting. But how about someone who's been, 50 years trapped by sexual trauma and they can't be close and they have no relationships and they just want to kill themselves all the time. And in six hours, that, that ball of yarn begins to unravel and they begin to start. That boulder, whole, that boulder, yeah, that boulder is, is, is taken out of the yeah. river in yeah. six hours. And I'm like, I, that is miraculous. And when you meet mm-hmm. people, when you're in these circumstances and you get to be privileged to help people move through that, it's there's no other word than you can use. And that was miraculous, the shifts that we're seeing in people. And I'm, yeah. that's why you're drawn to this work, right, Jody? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you get to work in the miraculous. Mm-hmm. And I would like to just um, come alongside you. It, I, I love your, your vernacular and it, it's, it's, it, you know, it feels like, yeah, like maybe more of a masculine way to talk about it, which is great because we need both. So let me just come in alongside you with, you know, another way to say that it's like we're as humans, you know, humanity, we're in knots. We're full of knots, right? All these knots inside of us, knots in our families and knots in our systems that, you know, don't always seem to work. And I see that, you know, when a person has an opportunity to, um, you know, meet themselves, to, to be with themselves, to open this beautiful space that maybe they didn't even know existed, they can start to feel 
And when we start to feel, for many, it looks like a lot of tears, not always, but I see that it's like that river inside starts to move. These knots begin to soften, Mm. sometimes even dissolve. But the way I see it, because I want to just speak to like, it isn't just six hours, you know, I think in six hours, you can start to soften those knots. Mm. And then, yeah, you walk away from the experience as, as I did with all these sort of like threads or ribbons, you know, un, like unraveled. And, and then, you know, and I'm sure you guys talk about this on other podcasts, this idea of, of now we integrate, right? We start, and I think that's what the last few years has been about for me. Like, yes, I've had all these mystical and magical experiences, but how do I weave them into my life now in a way that is meaningful, in a way that, you know, my children and my husband and my grandchildren and my friends and my clients, right, can relate to me and, and hopefully feel this, you know, huge expanse of love that I'm carrying in my heart. So, well, yeah. But Jody, I love this- that because for me, I think with, with, after I got, got over the first year of like my mouth on the floor about what I experienced <laughs> and, you know, I literally couldn't, I couldn't make sense of how insanely amazing it was and us as an experience. I then, I then really began to realize what the biggest challenge over the next 10 years is going to be is how do we take this new, this new, <laughs> it's an ancient technology, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not new, it's new, new to us. us as Western folks. But how do we take this ancient modality and embed it in real communities, right? It cannot just be a therapist and a person doing it in a, you know, over six weeks. And that's going to cost you three grand and then good luck. We have to find systems of, of taking these experiences and putting them into real life, right? Into communities, families, marriages, parenting. How does my psychedelics make me a better parent? I, li- I read an article called The Psychedelic Mom and she's talking about, you know, how do we use psychedelics to heal, you know, help me be a better uh, person in my job as a- That's as a, integration. Integration. Don't you think? Right. So I just yeah. love that the, the way, the where we're ending this conversation, which is really beautiful. And I'd love to talk more about the group work that you and I are doing together, Jody. these resiliency groups that we, you know, taking people through a 12 week experience and getting them experiences with ketamine or psilocybin. But I just love that your heart is, this work only is going to, you know, be as beautiful as we're talking about, if it's actually integrated into our real lives. And I think that's such a, such an important conversation for us to have. Uh, Anyone can go off and, you know, grab some mushrooms, go into the woods and have an experience, but will it actually transform your life? It Mm -hmm. only will if you do it in community, you've got to stay connected, you've got to, you know, these experiences have to be vetted in community and connection. And and I just love that that's what your, your heart is on this, Jody. Mm-hmm. Well, that's about staying balanced, mm-hmm. right? That's part of that balance is, you know, staying, staying in our communities and a connected feet on the ground, eyes open, mm-hmm. I'm here kind of way. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think, yes, psychedelics can bring us there. And, you know, the shadow side is that psychedelics can keep a lot of people you know, completely dissociated from what is right here and right now. So yes, that is our work, you know, is weaving this all in now so that, yeah, yeah, we can change all these things in our systems and our society and our families that aren't working. 
I'd like to I'd like to just inquire yeah. real quick um, because we're kind of just ending this now, Jody. So you're you're now like you say you're now a grandma. You're now moving into realms of training, mentoring, uh, teaching, as well as your own clinical work. Just give us you know two minutes on on what where your life is at now and what's what's really driving the bus these days. <laughs> okay. Um... Well, I'm, I'm, you know, enjoying the sweetness uh, of, of living, you know, in a house without children and enjoying the company of, of my partner, Mark. And, you know, we started out so early having those kids that it's kind of like, oh, you know, now we get to play. And, and so, you know, these days are very sweet. And, uh, you know, just loving being a Nana, that's what they call me and um, love, you know, being as much a support to my, my daughters as I can in these years and this time of having babies on the earth. Oh my goodness. You know, what a, yeah, um, yeah, a lot of uncertainty. So that, that occupies a lot of my space. And, and then in my work life, my vocation, you know, I, I continue to see mostly women. I, there's always a few men that, that, that will come, but mostly women who are on these healing journeys on wanting to wake themselves up, wanting to, you know, understand why they're here so they can fully blossom. I, I work, I run women's circles. I, you guys know that I've recently discovered cacao, um, from the South American jungle. And so I'm, I'm working with that almost every day, this beautiful medicine that tastes like hot chocolate, but, but much richer and deeper than that. And, um, and then, yeah, working with both of you, you know, in various ways to train others, to create groups and to create safe experiences. I think we're all kind of we work with individuals, but we also know we we're, we've got to move into group work, mm. and 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 always thinking about how can I cultivate community, you know, so people have somewhere to land and stay connected, mm. and um, recognizing I can't do that by myself. So I'm I'm grateful for those who've come to support me, but really open to all the support that's coming. Oh, Judy, it's been, uh, I just, it's been awesome chatting with you and I love where you're at on this journey. <clears throat> and, uh, I, 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 uh, it's another conversation, but I can see just as we're on, we're on zoom here, uh, but I can see you're wearing, uh, your, uh, prayer beads. Uh, yeah. So I, we'd have to explore that another time, but that's <laughs> another part of your, the, the family <laughs> journey with the rosary and encountering the, the, the female, aspect of the divine and so I, I just love where you're at on this and I think you are going to be an incredible light as people are trying to reclaim not just their healing but trying to reconnect with their own spiritual roots and uh and I, I just like that combo so uh Jody I love working with you and yeah, I, I, I really have loved this conversation thank you so much anything you want to end us off, end us off on yes Yes, I do. I, I actually would like to acknowledge both of you, Dave and Peg, um, you know, who I've known both of you for a very, very long time. We're in the decades. And, um, you know, I, I remember way back there when the two of you were kind of going out on a, you know, on a limb, sharing some of the information and teaching in the way that you were. But I look at that as that was kind of the beginning 
of everything. This idea that I could experience the divine in a different way than I had been. And, you know, I, I realize now probably what that costs both of you and that it wasn't, you know, easy to do that, but I, I, I will be eternally grateful to both of you that for, for sharing what you shared at that time. And I couldn't be more thrilled that we're all back together, you know, and, and working together with a common goal of bringing light and love and healing and all those things to the world. So I love you both so much. And thank you for having me today. It's an honor. 20 20 years ago (laughs) when we were at a church together that, Hey, 20 years from now, you guys are going to be doing psychedelics and healing people in these, you know, you just, yeah, it would never, I've never believed it, but it, it, it does feel like as full peers, as full peers, full equals. Yeah. It's a miracle. Another miracle. (laughs) There you go. There's good irony. Thank you so much, Jody. What a great job. Yes. Thank you. It was an honor and a a privilege. Many blessings. Yeah.